With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. You're listening to Garibaldi Red, a Nottingham Forest podcast brought to you by Nottinghamshire Live. Hello, welcome to Garibaldi Red. We're back to look ahead to Nottingham Forest versus Fulham under the Friday night lights at the City Ground, although not on TV, and it's this man's fault partly in Michael Temple. Temps, how are you? You've taken over the, the City on Saturday for the Royal London One Day Cup final, so that's why Forest are on Friday night, isn't it? Yeah, don't throw that one at my door. This is almost as bad as when I banned that trumpeter from the Ashes in 2013. And it, I took took so much flack. Because I know people love a Saturday three o'clock kickoff. But yeah, it's been rearranged as not to clash with the one-day cup final. But if you've got a complaint about that, email Matt Davis. And I'm sure he'll pass it on to me. Yeah, or even better, pay some money. Go to Royal London one-day cup final and fill up Trent Bridge and seek out Temps and give him a piece for your mind. But don't really do that, but do go to the one-day cup final. It'll be a decent game, I'm sure. Kent versus Lanks at Trent Bridge on Saturday. Uh, Temps, no game for Forest versus Leeds uh, in very sad circumstances. We're not going to go into it too much in terms of the rights and the wrongs of postponing matches around, you know, the... National mourning for the death of Queen Elizabeth II. What was your call, though? Just working in sport, could you see why it was called off? Yeah, I'll go into it. I, th- I think football got it wrong and cricket got it right. Those that watched the coverage of the cricket would have, would have seen a really emotional but powerful moment where the Oval came to an absolute silence and God save the, the, the King was, was sang and a, a, a really heartfelt tribute was um, paid to, to Queen Elizabeth. So I think football could have... And uh, a lot of kudos from uh, marking the Queen's death in the in the correct manner with, yeah, tasteful moments. All of the games at the weekend, so it ruined my weekend a little bit. Not having the, the football to look forward to. I think um, my my Sunday game was was cancelled, which I don't think um, Lizzie would have wanted. But I think a, a lot of kids didn't play at the weekend, and they they feel they've been somehow um, punished and missed the football they've been they've been looking forward to so look it's tough and as a sports administrator you know I've made some unpopular decisions in in the past as well and you you always do it with the best of best of intentions but I I really missed football last weekend and I I think it could have contributed to the the Queen's memory and also raised the mood of the nation last last weekend so yeah I I missed it and I really missed the forest man yeah I agree with everything you said especially the kids stuff like Kids, yeah, they could have lined up for a minute's silence, for a minute's applause, and taught them a bit of a lesson about respect and learning about the Queen anyway. So, yeah, that was a mistake for me. My weekend was ruined, although it was mental because my daughter went to a sleepover. She's eight, and um, yeah, there's like seven or eight girls, and they went to sleep at 3.30 a.m., which is just mental, and they were up again at 7 a.m. So it was a fun Sunday picking her up, and then she sang in a choir, at the village fate so it was a very very busy one and i did miss forest 
no one cares about my personal life. Let's carry on talking football. Um, I mean, this is a little bit cynical, but did it do Forrest a favour, do you think, missing a game to get an extra week on the training ground? I don't think it did anyone a favour because we'll pay for it with the most intense fixture congestion in the history of the Premier League when we get to the to the business end. So, no, I really, I really don't think it, it helped out. I'll take I'll take the point that after you know a really disappointing defeat, there's things that you want to want to work on. But often the the best way to to put that behind you is to bomb out of the traps in the next match and put in a put in a performance. So no, I don't think it I don't think it helped. I hope we see the same reaction in, uh, in in this game on Friday that we were expecting to see at Leeds because it was so disappointing in the in, in the second half against Bournemouth. But we'll come good. We'll improve. Um, you know, as will Fulham. They've had the extra time as well. So, yeah, nothing uh, n- nothing positive for me in in losing a, a round of fixtures from a particularly in- intensive season, given what's to come in the World Cup. I suppose we should talk about the 11 and changes we, we would make, although as we discussed on the last podcast with Greg and Fletch, probably no one knows the best 11 yet, even the manager. But Oral Mangala is one who we've seen back in training. He's put some pictures of himself on social media. Would he be straight back in for you if Dean fit enough? Yeah, he would He would for me. So uh, the, the criticism of the team that Steve picked in the last game was was unfounded for all the reasons Fletch said. And I think he articulated himself brilliantly. We, we don't see anything beyond the performance um, on, on the pitch. So everything they've seen in the week, anything going off in their personal lives, any minor injuries we don't see. So we, sh- we should trust him on, on team selection. Um, however, through that lens, I'm suggesting a few changes. So I think that there's a few players that are inked in. Hendo's in goal. I think McKenna and Worrell play. I think Williams and Lodi play. Third centre half is up for debate, and, and I'm I'm suggesting debut for, for for Willie Bolly. I think that by all accounts he has a slightly different profile to to the other players. Um, he's familiar with English football, and I think this is the the game to to slot him in for. In response to your Mangala question, yeah, if he's if he's fit, he plays for me, and I put O'Brien back in as well. And picking two centre mids is 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 tough because. Freuler and Yates probably stake a claim. Koyate was good first half. Um, he did deliver on his brief. He, he broke up the play. He made the pitch smaller when when uh, Bournemouth were in possession and, and obviously got his goal from, from the corner. So he can consider himself a little bit unlucky as well. I put Gibbs White in the, in the 10 roll and left out Lingard. And I'm starting with Alwyn Ian Johnson up top. Although I, th- I think there'll be a few commenters on here that suggest that Emmanuel Dennis should have a go, and I wouldn't be offended if he if he did. So my eleven: Henderson, McKenna, Bolly, Worrell, Lodi, and Williams, Mangala and O'Brien centre mid, and Gibbs White in behind Alwyn Ian Johnson. Guys on the fringe of that selection: Dennis Lingard, Freuler, Yates, Koyate, Bade, Cook. Um, but yeah, I don't think that's the team he'll select. But that, that's the that's the team that I'm picking on based on based based on what I've seen in match action. Yeah, I think I mean if I was properly prepared for this, I'd have written down eleven as well. But listening to yours, I think I'd probably go with the same one. Like you, I think there's quite a few 50-50 calls, aren't there, around probably yeah. Freuler, who's gonna have to start games eventually. And I do think how he needs to play. I'm not sure Dennis is that focal number nine. I'm not, we might only have one focal number nine, so 
a lot of people, like you people, a lot of people are quite down on Brennan at the moment. But to me, he's a moments player, isn't he? I don't think he's, I've said this before, he's not someone who's going to run a game for 90 minutes. He's someone, if you watch the 10 minutes highlights package, a lot of Forrest's best work is going to go through him. And he might get shrugged off for the old 50-50 and stuff like that. But he was doing that last season. It just seems to be magnified for me. What do you think? Am I wrong about Brennan? No, I, I agree wholeheartedly. And anybody that thinks that he's going to shine for, for 90 minutes um, doesn't really appreciate the nuances of, of, of football. There's a, a lot been said about, you know, Lionel Messi strolls around for 20 minutes, doesn't he? Having a little look where the, where the pockets of space are before he comes alive and exploits it. And how many times have we seen Brennan make a difference in the last 20 minutes of, of games? The poachers finish against Everton. The penalty that he took with a plum the marginal offside against Bournemouth, sorry, against West Ham uh, with the goal disallowed, but he, he's showing that he has got that that quality in, in, in front of goal. So I, I agree completely. If you watch him for 90 minutes, there are going to be times when he, he drifts out of the game, but he, he always needs to be watched. He always attracts defenders and he is he's making things happen. And he's learning his trade. This is a guy that's gone from League One to the Championship to the Premier League in, in no time. And of course, it's going to take him a bit of time to adapt. But yeah, your assessment of that is spot on. I suppose Lingard's the interesting one, isn't he? Because he's been doing bits and bobs in fits and starts. And he looks a little bit better in some games than others. Or progressively better, probably, I'd say. And his fitness is starting to get there. But we haven't seen that kind of end product yet. Where are you at on Lingard? Because I'd have Brennan ahead of him just for this game. But you can see the, the debate around both players still. Yeah, I don't think that Brennan is competing with Lingard for a place in the eleven. I think Brennan's competing with Dennis and I think Lingard's competing with Gibbs White. And they're both, uh, Gibbs White and Johnson are just, just winning those battles at this moment in time. I think that Gibbs White was Steve Cooper's number one target and he's he's going to back him to play over Lingard if the system is one behind two rather than two behind one, which we spoke about last time around. So this is based on form. I think Gibbs White has just edged himself ahead of Jesse Lingard. Lingard will be back in the team at some point. And it won't be a surprise if he, if he, if he gets a start on, uh, on, on Friday night. Um, I've just got Gibbs White just ahead of him. I think he just needs to show a little bit more to be an automatic starter. Uh, yeah, I think that's fair. Definitely not the three together then for you. You think Awani sort of has to start through the middle? I think so. It just just offers that little bit of difference, doesn't he? Does um, compete for the ball. And we, we spoke about Man City, which is a bit of a moot point, really, because of, of, of how good they are. But if, if you're going to play three players of that profile at the top end of the pitch, you, you can't then play the long ball. And there have been times when we've been under so much pressure that we need to play the long ball. And to, to do that, I think you need you need our knee up top. So, yeah, I want I want to see him start. Now, look, last time um, Steve Cooper had a free selection at home, he picked he picked the three dribblers rather than the physical presence. So I'm not in his head and I'm, I'm not sure whether he's, he's going to double down on that, having had more time on the training ground, as, as you say, and reaffirm the instinct that he had last time he, he picked a team at, at home. But I, I'd I'd like to see Alani. I just think he offers something different. I think the the, the supporters are, are calling for it, and I think that, that, that we've seen enough to know that a settled Alani could be a, a potent force in this 
in this in this league. He just just ha he's just got that different profile to the other two, the other three, and gives us an opportunity to retain the ball higher up the field, get the runners off him, get the midfield bombing through, and and making us a little bit more effective in front of the goal because we aren't scoring enough at the minute. Mm. And his best work as well, from watching highlights of him, is not necessarily back to goal anyway. He's a runner in behind as well. So you would still hope that with the right service that he's going to come good with players playing those through balls for him anyway. Talking of focal number nines, we should talk about Fulham, who've got... There is a trend at the moment for these big number nines, obviously Haaland, but Ivan Tony as well, and uh, or Ivan Tony, I should say, and Alexander Mitrovic, who's made this amazing start to the season. And he was unbelievable in the Championship last term. Uh, my question was, to what extent are you worried about Mitrovic? I didn't use quite those words in the notes, but how, how big a threat is he? Well, look, he's, he's not as big a threat as Kane or Haaland, is he? I think he's, he's disproved the, the adage that he's a baller in the Championship, but he can't quite live with the Premier League. I think that the start he's made to this season shows that he's ad adapted his game and he looks a different player to, to what he was last time he, he was up here with Fulham and certainly a different player to how he handled the Premier League with, with Newcastle. So he's a good player, but every single team we come up against is going to have you know, a, a big presence up top, a goal-scoring threat up top. But we, we shouldn't be worried, concerned, making any particular preparation for for, for Mitrovic, um, having already faced Kane and Haaland, who I think are the two most dangerous strikers in the, in the, in the division. Respect him, be mindful of his strengths. But yeah, ultimately... Uh, I think McKenna did a decent job on him last season, and um, yeah, I think we can keep him. I think we can keep him quiet, Matt. I, I, my prediction for this game is a bold one. But I think we'll win the game to nil. To nil. Mm. Wow. Okay. Mitrovic is in my FPL team, so I was hoping for a two-one. But um, yeah, I think yeah, I, I, you would hope that as Championship defenders last season, McKenna and Warrell know what that battle is, and they'll be ready for it. And I play Bolly as well. Mm. They've got to make a decision on this third centre-half, haven't they, really? They can't keep going back and forth on Cook now, can they? No, I don't think so. I've, I've, I've spoken a lot about Warrell and McKenna being inked in for me. And I, I you know, I, I read as much as you do about fan, fan opinion and about what those players are and aren't. But I, I think once, once adapted, the captain of this football club, who sets the right tone in the dressing room, has the respect of the fans and is adapting to a, a way that he has to play in the Premier League, he's going to retain his place. I don't think he's under any pressure for his place um, at this moment in time. McKenna made an horrendous mistake in the last game. That happens. He'll learn for it. Next time, that's that's going over the Brian Clough stand rather than back to the, back to the keeper. So those two keep the place for me. But yeah, we've just got this... Um, not an embarrassment of riches. We've got a decision to make between a group of players that don't seem to have an obvious uh, right to start football games at the minute. Bolly, we know Koyate can play there. We hope Barde is, is a slightly different option again. And whilst we'd, we'd probably suggested that Cook would fall out the team before, he, he, he came back in, didn't he? And, and Cooper obviously still still sees something there that, that, that he likes, probably the experience and the, and the leadership. But yeah, I don't, I don't think having signed those players, Cook's going to retain that spot. I think we're going to see McKenna, Warrell and one other at the, on Friday night. And for me, Bolly's, Bolly's the one for, for first dibs. You're yeah, going to remind me, you're going you're to play a clip, aren't you, when we don't win to Lille on Friday. That clip's going to come back to haunt me, isn't it? 
Are you free on Monday? It might do if you're free on Monday, <laughs> certainly. Um, yeah, I think obviously Nia Carte is the one, isn't he? When he's back, we'll wait and see. Yeah. But he's been he's been excellent. Um, any extra importance on this game? Do you think with the Bournemouth result now festering for that extra week, and now we've got an international break? You don't want to carry negative momentum for another two weeks, do you? Yeah, wins relieve pressure, and 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 defeats exacerbate pressure, don't they? So I think. If we'd have held on to lead against Bournemouth, less pressure. I've seen phrases like must win being bounded around for this game, which is ridiculous. Um, still growing into our own skin. It's a game we'd want to win. And it's a, it's a game we'd target winning, having signed the amount of players that we have. And yeah, having the same aspiration of, of as, as Fulham to, to stay in this division. So um, yeah, we lost the last game. So there's, there's more importance on this one. We spoke, didn't we, last year about that that journey from uh, relegation sir, after eight games to safety to mid table obscurity and, and and climbing the earning the right to climb the table, and we've we've got to do that again now. So yeah, it's a home game. We've we've, we've got to try and win it. Yeah, and one of the things that they have been good at under Cooper is bouncing back from negative results. Obviously, there haven't been many, but I remember which game was it? Was it Cardiff? away or something they were I thought they were poor and they were he didn't pick the right team necessarily and they, they bounced straight back so hopefully we'll see that again I mean talking of Cooper the last topic I wanted to talk about with just the two of us was around Brighton there's no you know speculation now that Potter's gone that they might turn to Cooper I said to you it kind of highlights to me that mm. it sharpens our mind as to how good a manager Cooper is doesn't it Yes, I'll, I'll say this. Steve Steve Cooper is extremely employable and he's proved himself beyond doubt at the FA with age groups, running the academy at Liverpool, in the championship with Swansea and Forest. And I hope now in the Premier League that he's he's here to stay, on this stage to stay. And at some point, he's going to fall out of Forest, either by getting the chop or moving moving on on his own terms. I hope it's no time soon because I think what he's done has been refreshing, impressive, his character, his style, everything. I'm a I'm a massive fan of. But he's employable. And Chris Hooten and Billy Davis fell out of his football club and haven't haven't been deemed employable in this in this market. So I'm not surprised that he's being linked with clubs like Brighton when there's a calm clear philosophy where they take a chance on a coach uh, like Potter who you know came from obscure uh, European background did his did his hard yards didn't he in, in in those leagues and his CV's unbelievably good he you know he, he, he took the stairs rather than the than the lift earned his stripes and now he's at Chelsea, which is a money project with a squad of players that would be the um, the the envy of anybody in, in world football. So, yeah, we we should be grateful for what we've got with with Steve Cooper, and I'm not surprised he's being spoken about as a potential replacement at an established Premiership club because that's what that's what Brighton are now. I don't think he'll go. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm, I suppose I'm slightly perturbed that he still hasn't signed his uh, his contract extension, and that's that should be a a priority for me in the in the weeks ahead to demonstrate the form 
that gives him the and ultimately to, to to commit to Forest. What what do you think? Do you think there's a chance that he could he could jump if it if it was offered? There's a lot of Forest fans on Twitter, aren't there? Who are like, why would he go there? Mm. And if I, you know, not every Forest fan will like me for this, but I think you know, Brighton are a very good football club. They're well run. They give coaches a lot of time. Cooper did it with Cooper. Potter was, didn't set the world alight straight away at Brighton. He made them a mid-table team. They've made this gradual, incremental progression. I'm not sure he's going to get at Chelsea, but you know, if they do, I think they'll do very well. And I think Forrest should follow the Brighton example and actually give Cooper this incremental time to progress. Obviously, we haven't seen that this summer. They've thrown a lot at it, but I hope they do that in time and back him and Forrest follow this Brighton mould. And on Cooper going to Brighton, I mean, it's a very attractive job i hope he doesn't go if he is offered the opportunity because there's a lot to like at forest as well there's two very attractive projects doing things slightly different ways a slightly different phase of their progression i suppose cooper would have to think what can he take to, to brighton or how far can he take brighton how far can he take forest brighton are probably at the ceiling of where they are now aren't they what's forest ceiling do you think I think so. Just 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 a slightly different point i think generally there's a lot of pride to be had in being part of something you've created and he's created this situation at Forest. He's bonded with the players. He's bonded with the fans. I think that that stands for a, that stands for a lot. Uh, Brighton expect to finish above Forest this season. So yeah, at this moment in time, um, if you were neutral and didn't have any kind of history with either club, it's it's the one you would jump for. However, I, I think that one of the uh, overriding factors is is that that Steve Cooper dragged us from the bottom of the championship to, to this point and wants to see the, the job through. And I, I think more than anything else, that will um, uh, that will stand Forrest and, and Cooper in, in good stead. He created this scenario. He's earned the right to um, maintain our standing. And walking through the door at, at Brighton, the first thing he'd have to do is what any coach should do when they walk in anywhere which is deride the balance of the squad, buy yourself time and spend a couple of transfer windows getting people in through one door and, and out through another. So, yeah, let's let's hope we haven't got that conundrum to solve in the next few weeks. No, I agree. I think Forest are a bigger football club, just to finish on this. I mean, you see the atmosphere at games and you see the interest around Nottingham Forest and the players they've been able to attract as a newly promoted club. And, yeah, what other club? has been able to attract players of this calibre since coming back to the Premier League. Maybe Villa, I don't know, Leeds to an extent, got Rafinha and Lorente, but I think Forrest have gone a step past that in a sense with you know Lingard and Lodi and Dean Henderson and players like that. So I think Forrest are the bigger football club. Brighton are probably in a couple of steps further along the journey. So it'd be an interesting one. Hopefully it doesn't come to that and Brighton look elsewhere and Cooper's not put in the position or Forrest aren't. You know, put in the position they have to say no to him or however it plays out. I hope they look elsewhere, but it's certainly interesting times and it shows what a great job he's done. Right. Anything you want to add, Temps, before we go? Uh, no, I don't think so. Really looking forward to the game. Uh, yeah, let's get stuck in. Let's get behind them. Let's hope we um, assert ourselves on it, play attacking football. And regardless of the selection, let's let's respect the fact that Steve Cooper and the team are, are armed with far more information than, than we are. They're trying to win football matches and we, we can play our bit by staying in their corner. I think that, yeah, look, I'll say it. Some, some of the reaction at the last game 
was unhelpful, if not unwarranted. And the best chance we've we've got of of winning this game is creating that atmosphere that was that was there at the West Ham game and was there at the Spurs game. Let's 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 stay behind the team and, and get this one done on Friday. So what I'm hoping happens now is if my video editing skills are up uh, up to scratch, we're going to go into a video with uh, another Matt from the Fulham Focus podcast and get his thoughts on their side of the game, although I haven't spoken to him yet as I record this. So if it all comes together, you'll hear from Matt and uh, then we shall be back on Monday. Delighted to be joined by Matt from the Fulham Focus podcasters, get an opposition perspective heading into Friday night's game. Matt, how are you doing? Yeah, I'm good, thanks, mate. Enjoying our start to the season, so it's not going bad. How are you doing? Yeah, good. I was saying before we started recording, we did another one of these with, with a Bournemouth fan, and I predicted initially, I did change my mind, but I initially predicted Fulham would go down, based solely on Tim Ream, partly <laughs> exaggerating, but I couldn't believe like you could stay up with him in the Premier League again. But I mean, we might mention him, but him and Fulham perhaps have exceeded all expectations, I guess. How's it been for you? Yeah, I mean, you know, we went into that Liverpool game probably expecting to get thumped. Um, you know, look at the, their players, you look at ours, a few new signings, Tim Ream expected to start at the back. And on paper, you panic and you think we're, we're not ready for the Premier League. We go into it and we could have won the game, come out of a draw and it still felt like a win. And then, you know, a couple of wins against Brentford last minute. Arguably, we should have won that game anyway because we were 2-0 up. Uh, and then beating Brighton, who were unbeaten at the time as well. It's a big win. And then we've, you know, we've really shown up against Tottenham and Arsenal, both away, both are unbeaten, I believe, in the league. And, you know, we're really just, it just looks good. It feels good as well. We've adapted our style to the Premier League this time. We're, you know, we're less on the ball. We're trying to counter-attack a bit more. We've come into the Premier League and tried to play our championship style before and it's not worked. So we're adapting and we're, you know, getting used to the opposition. And I mean, to be on eight points after six games is a miracle, really. I didn't expect it before the start of the season. So I'm really happy. Yeah, I mean, one of the reasons myself and probably a few fans with with Doubting Fulham was the manager, whether he could be tactically adept enough to, to cut it in the Premier League after some ups and downs. But it sounds like he deserves a lot of credit then. Yeah, he's he's been fantastic. He's got a tune out of Mitrovic, who I'm sure we'll come on to later. But he's brought in his players. Previously, it's been the owner or the director of football. His stat pad. So, you know, Silva's really making it his team. He's got a lot of Portuguese or Portuguese-speaking players in. We've not spent too much, which is a positive, I suppose, in a way. We spent £100 million before and gone down. But he's putting his stamp on it and it just... The club just feels united, all the players, they feel like they're a unit and they get on. And the players have been brought in to improve rather than replace. I think that's a key thing for us over the summer. Um, and we needed some backup and eventually we managed to get it. But I, I, yeah, it, it's been brilliant. He's really put his mark on it, Marco Silva. And um, full credit to him. This is down to him so far, but, you know, has to continue. That's the main thing. We'll come on to Mitrovic, as you say. I mean, what's what's the Fulham take on the ownership? Because, you know, Shad Khan's a very wealthy man. Tony Khan seems to have his fingers in a an NFL team and a massive interest in a wrestling promotion. And Fulham don't seem to be the main focus of the three from an outsider looking in. How, how do Fulham fans view the, the ownership? 
I think, you know, it's great that they're spending money. It's clear to see that uh, Shahid Khan is putting his money in his pocket. There's no denying that. But I've said it a lot. Tony Khan either cares or he doesn't. There's no way anyone doing three jobs like that will manage it. It's impossible. We've got other people at the club, such as Alistair McIntosh. I've had my opinion on him, who I don't rate. He's one. Of, I think he's the seventh highest paid CEO in the Premier League for some reason. I don't know why. don't really know what he does. And some of the transfers in previous years have been an absolute disaster. Some of them have been brilliant. But it's very hit and miss. This year, as I say, Silver's spin on it. It seems like we're more of a team. We're not just picking out players like you would on Football Manager, for example. That is how it's felt in previous years. I mean, as far as I'm concerned, you know, as I said, Khan either cares or he doesn't. That's Tony Khan. In my opinion, I think he should go, focus on his wrestling, focus on his NFL, which I don't even think he cares about either. I think it's all about the wrestling. So, you know, get someone in who cares about the club and um, hopefully we'll start to see an upwards trajectory. But, you know, we're doing all right so far, so I can't really complain. Yeah, I mean, on the pitch, is it? Is it all Mitrovic? I get the sense the whole team's geared around him, which makes a lot of sense. It can't be a one-man act, though, can it? No, I don't think it is. But I do get the sense that if he got injured, we would be a little bit buggered at the same time. You know, everyone puts the effort in. Everyone's creating chances. But he is, at the end of the day, he's there to finish the chances off. If you put most of the players in the position where he was to head that goal in against Brentford, most of them would have missed it. Um, so, you know, you have him for the big moments, got us back in it against Spurs with a great finish. Um, you know, six in six is crucial. And um, we've signed Carlos Vinicius, who didn't get much of a chance at Spurs in the Premier League, but he's a solid backup. However, you look at it and I go, if Mitrovic was out for four weeks, can I see Vinicius hitting the same sort of form? No, but he only played five minutes last time out against Spurs. So I'm, I can't really judge him yet. It could prove me wrong, and that would be fantastic. But, yeah, we're, we're going to be reliant on Mitrovic's goals. But in terms of all-round play, we've got the players for it. Just need that bloke to finish it off. Who are you looking at then? Polinia and Pereira maybe the ones? Are there more, that, more to it? Yeah, I'd say so. And we've still got Harry Wilson to come back, who I think will be key. Uh, Mano Solomon out injured until January, unfortunately, which is a massive loss. Um, but, you know, they're just going to create chances. We've got William as a backup. If, you know, it's a solid option, really. Risk-free, 34, one-year deal. Dan James on loan, you know, another good signing on loan, risk-free again. Um, so, you know, we're covered. We're covered all in the wings, especially. We're going to have six wingers by the time all of them are fit, um, which is great. But how do you keep that many wingers happy is my only uh, concern. Do you maybe move one into the 10? But then you've got Pereira there, who is, you know, being fantastic. Saw a lot of United fans giving him stick when we signed him, but he has just been brilliant. He works hard, he cares, his ability is brilliant, and his dead balls are just ridiculous. We've not had that for a long time. So anytime he takes a set piece, you feel like we're a threat from them. You know, Polina's tall, got toes in, Ream can win a header. Um, you know, I think we're sorted all over the pitch and we've got different variations to our play now. It's it's fantastic to see. How are you and Fulham? fans seeing this game on Friday night then? Do you feel like it's not a big opportunity or would you take a point? 
It's a tricky one, isn't it? Because if you're looking at it from a perspective across the whole season, I think it's fair to say that, you know, we're going to both going to be fighting for points. So both teams are going to be looking at this as we need three points here because there's not going to be that many better opportunities. But, you know, I've watched Forest play a few times this season and they look really good. On on the whole, a point probably would be a decent result at the end of the day. I know how loud the city ground can be. Yeah, I've been there. I went there last time, last season. And, um, you know, it was loud. And the players that you've got are, are going to want to prove a point. You know, it's it's a long season. And this is a good opportunity for Forrest to try and get three points here and build some momentum. So, you're, you know, the team, the fans, they're going to be well up for it. But we need to adapt to that. And we need to try and, you know, kill the game a little bit. You know, Just put our stamp on it and then... You know, we need the three points as much as anyone. We need to be working towards that 40-point goal. Same as any team that wants to stay up. That is the ultimate goal. So if we can get as many points as we can early on, it takes the pressure a little bit off of, you know, February, March time. You're not you're not sort of scrambling for the points towards the end of the season. Um, but Spurs was a free hit and Chelsea potentially would have been, but this is a massive game, certainly from our side. We do really need to take three points here, and 11 after seven, I think, is a good return. Yeah, Forrest in a very similar position against Bournemouth. If they won that game, they'd be seven after six. So it shows, yeah, these big these are big games that can swing the pendulum pretty massively. Anyone that you're looking at from the Forest team that, that worries you at all? I mean, I'm trying to keep up with all the sign-ins. Um, <laughs> but but uh, Gibbs-White, obviously... Um, we played against him already this season when he played for Wolves. Um, and, you know, he looks a good player. He's so good on the ball. And he gave us a run around when he was at Sheffield United last year. So, uh, you know, we know how good he can be. He's a very, very good player. Lingard as well, of course, on his day, he can be absolutely fantastic. Um, that's a really good signing, really shrewd signing. So, you know, there's players all over the pitch for Forest. Nico Williams, of course, spent the second half of last season on loan with us. Be interesting to see how he plays, especially now he's playing wing back. He was just a you know full back for us last season. Um, he's gonna be bang up for it as well. Probably want to get one over on us, even though it was all very amicable. And we liked him and he liked us, I like to think. So but it'll just be good to see how he plays as well. But you know, Forrest have got quality all over the pitch. There's no denying that. Signed a lot of international players and spent the money. So it's going to be a tough game for us. It, but And that's the thing as well. There's an element of doubt to it because we don't know how your team is going to play because there's only so much scouting you can do of a new team, which is the reality of it. So they're going to be well up for it and they're going to see it as three point, you know, a big three points if if you can get it. Yeah, well, it should be a good game, hopefully so. And I wish Fulham the best of luck for the rest of the season, apart from the two <laughs> games against Forest. But good to see them stay up and Mitrovic prove himself and Silver. So thanks for joining us, Matt, and uh, hope you enjoy the game. Are you going? I am going, yeah. I'll be there on Friday night. We're staying up because, uh, yeah, Friday night game is a bit of a kick in the teeth. But uh, no, it'll be a good, be good, be good to go back. Excellent, excellent. We'll be back on uh, Monday. Not sure who with, but we'll be reviewing the game as normal. And uh, as I say, hopefully it's a good night for the Reds get back on track. But in the meantime, thanks very much and we'll see you soon.